it's just a great time to see what Jesus is doing in the earth. Uh, we're living so close to the coming of the Lord. I'm not going to preach on end times this morning, but we, we, we're in a very unusual time. The church has really never been where we are right now. We, we, we're finishing the book of Acts. You're writing your own chapter of the book of Acts. You know, I've said it this way many times. Uh, uh, you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. So there's the, everything counts right now. It's like at the beginning of the book of Acts, everybody had to be in position. Everybody had to be doing what was right. So it sounds sobering and critical, but it is kind of amazing that you're finishing off uh, the book in the style that God would have it. And His style is power, resurrection, glory, people being set free, people being blessed. So your church has a flavor about it to have everything that the Lord would have for us. So I think it's just fitting that God would have all the men come together and that uh, we can uh, literally run the race and, and kind of keep the tone and the tempo of the whole church. Amen. When someone might have an opportunity to, to be uh, lagging behind or whatever, you, you know, you can grab them by the bootstraps and go, no, we're going to do the will of God. Jesus is coming. Yeah, Jesus is coming. We can do the will of God. You, when you see the finish line, you run faster, not, not slower. Yeah. I'll say that again. When you see the finish line, you run faster, not slower. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I was talking to the brother. Uh, I was in China preaching up in the middle of, of the country. And uh, I actually took a slow boat to China, if you can say it that way. And it was, I went all up in the middle of the deal. And, and as I got there, they had killed the preacher. Actually, not killed the preacher. They killed the guy at the hotel for putting the preacher up. And they told me that after I had gotten there, I said, well, thanks for letting me know a little ahead of time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, uh, when I got there, I got off the boat and, you know, I was looking at the food they were trying to give you on this little deal. And I was like, kind of like the fish with the worms, that kind of deal. I would have been blessed. But, uh, but as I got off there, I saw all these people in the line to go into this building. I thought, what in the world would people be in that kind of line for? I thought it was like a soup kitchen or whatever. They were f- giving food away. And the line was for, he said, well, they're showing a movie uh, in that building called The Passion of the Christ. I thought, here they're killing people for putting up preachers, but a movie about Jesus is going all over the country. So we're living in a bizarre time. I was preaching on Iranian TV last year, and uh, I was preaching on the name of Jesus. And you have a Farsi interpreter. The whole time I'm preaching, I think he's faking it. You know what I mean? <laughs> your Farsi just sounds so weird. I go, you're not saying what I'm saying. Come on. Because it's like, syllabus, syllabus, syllabus. And that's what he says the whole time. I said, that can't be saying what I'm saying. But uh, meanwhile, I, I mean, it's just so weird. You almost just want to go, stop it. You're, you know, you're annoying me. You're not preaching this right. Because it just sounds like he's joking with you, but he's actually preaching. But I looked up on the wall, and uh, there was a map of Iran. You know, we all know what Iran's trying to do right now, trying to annihilate Israel and all that. But on the map of Iran, I saw the flags everywhere all over the country. And I stopped before I got into my deal. I said, well, you know, what's all the flags? And I thought, well, maybe that's households that have TVs. He said, no, 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 those are cities and towns and villages all over the nation of Iran that have churches in them. Holy Ghost, word churches that have Brother Hagin's book, The Authority of the Believer, Right and Wrong Thinking, What Faith Is, translated into Farsi. My friend, Jesus is coming soon. you got, you got, a, you got a nation where they, all they speak is Farsi and they have all this Kenneth Hagin material all over the country to where there's villages, cities with word of faith, Holy Ghost churches that know that Jesus set them free. Hallelujah. Amen. We're, we're just living in a very, very blessed time. So grab your Bibles and you just turn wherever you think you are. Turn, we'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I want you uh, uh, open them up to... Well, we'll just see. Go to Genesis if you would. I want to run through some verses for a little bit. I want to get into some stuff that prepares us for what we're all called to do. I know the Lord has some destiny on everybody's life before Jesus comes. Listen, He's going to intensify and enhance what you're called to do. It's almost like you can call it idiot proof. He's going to enhance and He's going to intensify what you're called to do. It's almost as though you can't get away from the presence of the Lord. You know what I mean? How sometimes you'd be so busy, you, you get caught up in what you're doing. It'll almost be like you're aware of His presence all the time. Amen. It's almost like something the Holy Ghost is going to do to help us. I'll take all the help I can get. Amen? So just, so just anticipate you're walking around doing your job and doing your daily routine. And all of a sudden, wow, I sense the presence of the Lord talking to me, dealing with me about some stuff. Because He's going to enhance what you're called to do so you can run faster. It's just like basically putting a turbo on a motor. Or getting some, or getting some high octane fuel. Remember in the old days we used to go to the airport to get some 104, 102 octane. Hallelujah. Amen. It just makes things run better. Praise the Lord. Forget that 87 stuff, 89 stuff. When you get 102, you might as well get all, you know, come on. What happens? It just makes it run faster. Gives you a little extra punch. 
I'll take all the punch I can get. Amen. <laughs> I think I lost somebody. Come on now. Come back. Here we go. Let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. Lord, we're so grateful for all these men that came. We thank you for your, your destiny upon their lives, what you've given them to do, Lord. This church, Lord, thank you for, for blessing Pastor Mark and his family, what you've given this church to do, Lord. We thank you for the destiny upon this church. We thank you for the season ahead. This, this year, the remainder of 09, be the best year this church has ever had. We thank you for a heightened sense of awareness of the presence of Jesus, that He died for us, that He was raised from the dead. Let it be said even this Saturday morning that we have a, a new awareness of Jesus, that He's alive and well, raised from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And Father, we will implement His resurrection. We will enforce His resurrection. We'll have the thought pattern of the resurrection in all of our lives. We thank You as we approach summer of 09. That it will be a blessed time with all of our families. That as, as the men of the church, Lord, we'll, we'll lead our families in godliness. We'll lead our families in righteousness. We'll lead our families in a hunger for You. We will hunger and thirst for You, Jesus. For You will satisfy us. You will lead us. You will guide us. And we bless You this morning. Magnify You this morning. Exalt You this morning. We lift You up in this room. Jesus of Nazareth. Son of the living God, resurrected, glorified, magnified as God. Lord, we thank You for this season before Jesus comes that we would walk with You, minister for You. Every man in this room, they will finish their course with joy. We thank You for it. We give You glory. We give You honor and praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles there and turn to Genesis if you would. Genesis chapter 17. We'll start here. I won't preach for long because I want you to come back tonight if you can. Remember what John Osteen said, he preaches short, shall be heard again. So we won't go too long today. Praise the Lord. Go to Genesis 17. I want to get into some things here. We'll notice in the Scriptures every time God was trying to do something radical, He always tried to put something into certain individuals to get them to walk with Him. Every time there's great change in the earth, God starts putting a, a flow or a message or a thought pattern from heaven into people. If you'll notice the last 40 or 50 years, we've had a thought pattern of we've had teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching about who we are in Christ, about faith, the basics of faith. God has kind of overdosed us on all that for 30 or 40 years. Why? So there'd be a group of people that know who He is, know His thought patterns, know Him by His Word, not by their feelings. Because when you woke up this morning, you know, you didn't go, Woo, I feel great. You know, you know you're blessed because the Word says you're blessed. So we've had that inundated into us, haven't we? Basically, for 30 or 40 years, it's been rammed down our throat. The Word, the Word, the Word, who you are in the Word. So you'll not be moved by how you feel. Not be moved by what you see. You even got to the point that you heard Mark 11, 23, 24 so much that if I said I was going to preach on that this morning, it would almost shut us down, but I'm not going to preach on that. But Jesus got so simplistic with faith that He said you could use your faith for desserts. He went to the fig tree, no, no figs, oh, I don't like this, I'm going to curse it from the roots. So he said, you can use your faith for your desserts. And then he said, you could have obstacles in your life that were so big that you could use them for obstacles. You could use your faith for dessert, obstacles. And then he said, go from there to have where you can have your desires. So that's been inundated to us so much to the point that we walk by faith. We walk by what the Word says about us. So every time there's great change in the earth, you see God giving a group of people revelation about who He is so that they can do what they're called to do in a short period of time. So I believe right here before Jesus comes, we have a lot to do in a short period of time. So watch how the Lord helps us through His Word here to get us to finish our course and do what we're called to do. So go to Genesis chapter 17 and grab verse 1. And we'll look here. Genesis 17 is page 17 if you've got a Bible like mine. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. The word perfect there just means upright or sincere or wholehearted. You know, it's amazing, every time in the Scriptures you see someone that was used of God, God talked to them to get them more wholehearted. If you look at it, the Bible says that Job was wholehearted in all his ways. Noah, wholehearted in all his ways. Basically what that meant was God would say, hey, I've called you to do something, don't blow me off. In other words, hey, take, take what I'm saying to you is what I'm saying to you and I'm going to bring it to pass. So God here tells Abraham, I'm the Almighty God. He said, I'm the God that's more than enough. Walk before me and be wholehearted. Don't be casual about my call. 
So let's go a little further. He said, I'll, I'll make my covenant between me and thee, and I'll multiply you exceedingly. We know all that happened there. In verse 5, the Lord changes His name. says, Neither shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. So here God's using a couple of things here to get Abraham to, to fulfill his destiny. Number one, He changes His name. So every time He talks about Himself, He's going to have what He says, which is pretty cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. And He goes from there to, to talking about who's doing the calling. Now, uh, as a group of people, we've heard the Word and heard the Word and heard the Word, and we know the Word of God, but God has uh, you raised up to know the God of the Word, and it's not the, God of, uh, the Word of God. Because a lot of people know the Word, but they don't know what's backing the Word. And here, that's the first thing that God told Abram, I'm the Almighty God. Listen to who's doing the calling. We, we've gotten so almost focused on, hey, I've got the Word in me, and I, I can use the Word, and I can work the Word, but this is who's backing the Word. He said, first of all, he began to talk about himself. I'm the one doing the calling. I'm the Almighty God. The God that's more than enough. He said, you walk before me and you be perfect or wholehearted. I've got something for your life, so don't blow me off. So go down a little further. Look what he says here. He says a few verses there in verse 5, Neither shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham, for a father of many nations I have made thee. And you could read so much there. It's so cool. So let's go over to chapter 18. Skip over a little bit with me. Go to chapter 18, verse 1. So here we see the Lord helping Abram to kind of get pushed in his destiny. If you'll notice, every service, God will articulate different things to push people a little bit to get them to do what they're called to do. It's not just about being fed. It's not just about finding out who we are in Christ. It's about pushing us and causing us to do what we're called to do. Thank you for your amens and a couple of grunts. Amen. Come on. So look at Genesis. How many so glad you came this morning? Come on. How many glad you're here? You're not in jail. Come on, praise God. All right, it's better to be here than in jail. All right, all right. go to verse 1 of chapter 18. Now watch how the Lord's going to help Abram. I like this. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent of the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw him, he ran to meet him in the tent door, and he bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray you, from your servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. He said, I'll fetch a morsel of bread and comfort your hearts, and you'll pass on. Therefore, you'll come to your servant. Now watch this. Basically, there's the Lord and two angels that are coming up, and Abram goes, Hey, don't leave. Let me have a little dinner for you. So watch what he says. Abram hastened unto the tent unto Sarah. He said, Make re- quick, ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. Abram ran into the herd, fetched a calf tender good, gave it to the young men, hastened to dress it. He took butter, hallelujah, milk, hallelujah, and the calf which he had dressed. He set it before them. I like this. The Lord's about to have some steak. Hallelujah. There was a, there was a billboard in Tulsa years ago. It said Jesus was a vegetarian. I don't think so. Amen. <laughs> How bizarre is that? Anyway, it says he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed. He set it before him. He stood, befo- stood by them under the tree and they did eat. So here... Here's God, first of all, telling Abram, I've got something for you to do. I have a destiny upon your life that's so big, I'm going to change your name so you can't screw this up. So that every time you call your name, you're going to say, I'm the father of many nations. And before he even got to that, he talked about who's doing the calling. He said, I am the Almighty God, the God that's more than enough. Every one of us in here have heard enough messages to change the world. But my friend, right before the coming of the Lord here, we're going to have a focus on who wrote the book. Not just going to get a focus on the messages. We're going to get a focus on who wrote the message. Who's backing the book. And he told Abram, I'm the Almighty God. You can write it down. If I've called you the father of many nations, I can make you the father of many nations. So Abram didn't really figure it out yet. So the Lord goes, oh, by the way, I guess I'll have a little dinner with you and I'll help you a little bit more. So watch what he says in verse number 9. And he said unto them, where's your wife Sarah? And he said, oh, boy, she's in the tent. And he said, well, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now hang with me for a minute. Watch verse 11. Now Abram and Sarah were well old and stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. I like that. I don't know how old you might be this morning, but you aren't old and well stricken in age. That doesn't sound good. (laughs) They were old and well stricken. It ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. Wow. So here she's like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. The Lord goes, oh, by the way, you're going to have a kid, and you're beyond bearing age, and, and Abram's old. And the Lord comes to her again and goes, I will certainly return unto you. 
I mean, could you imagine Jesus standing there having dinner with you? And he goes, oh, by the way, this is going to come to pass. You, you can mark it in your book. I've even called myself the Almighty God, El Shaddai, the Breasted One, the God that's more than enough, and you're still kind of blowing me off? He goes, hey, I, 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 it'll certainly come to pass. And Sarah goes, man, whatever. <laughs> I can't wait to see the video of this when we get to heaven. This is going to be pretty cool. Now watch what the Lord says to him. The Lord goes, uh, uh, in verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety I'll bear a child which I'm old? Like the Lord kind of confronted that, you know what I'm saying? He's not afraid to confront stuff. He goes, hey, by the way, you, you kind of mock this little call here, this little destiny here, like I'm not God. In verse 14 here, the Lord's trying to help him again. Watch what he says. Look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, they hadn't recognized who's doing the calling. They hadn't recognized who's backing up the, the message. They hadn't recognized who's backing up the Word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, God's given us stuff to do every single day where you have a choice where you can go, I'm really going to jump on board with that or I'm going to kind of question that. And the Lord's trying to say to us right here for the coming of the Lord, there ain't nothing too hard for me. If I said we're going to pull this off, we're going to pull this off. Even to the, to the point, now watch what he says here, at the time appointed, verse 14, he said, I'll return unto you according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. And then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. He goes, oh no, you did laugh. Man, I would have hammered her right there. Come on. <laughs> I would have gone, nan, 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 nah, check this out. And I would have pulled back the curtain and gone, here's the video of you laughing. And Abram goes, what's a video? And the Lord goes, i got a whole lot more than video. I, got, I can show you what happened just before it happens. Now here's Sarah not only mocking God about how drastic the call is, she really hadn't figured out that this was God calling. Now see, every time you can see a great change in the earth, you see God trying to put into people who's doing the... The calling, who's backing up the Word, and who's going to bring it to pass. He didn't say anything about Abraham being a great preacher. He didn't say anything about Abraham being a great man. He said, I'm the Almighty God. He got the focus off of Abraham and got the focus on him. He said, I'm the one that's going to pull this off. You just kind of hook it up and trust me. It's amazing. God will always call a group of people to do things they cannot do. He's going to stretch you. I know that's something about men meeting on Saturday morning. He wants us to get ready for what's getting ready to happen. He wants to lengthen our cords. He wants to expand our tent tents. He wants us to have a thought pattern that if God says, you know what, let's build a 10,000 seat auditorium, we go, you know what, let's build a 10,000 seat auditorium. Come on now. Not like, well, you know, why should we build 10,000 seats? You know, come on. God's going to have us do something. He's going to push us a little bit. Abraham was old. Sarah was old. Even Sarah goes, yeah, whatever. And the Lord goes, oh, you laughed. She goes, oh. she goes, how'd you like to lie right to the Lord's face? I didn't laugh. No, I didn't. <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, you did laugh. And, and think about it. You, you talk about radical. You talk about radical. God called him. He said, as a sign of the covenant, I'm going to have you be circumcised. Giddy up. <laughs> How'd you like the Lord to go, by the way, I'm going to call you. As a sign, I'm going to call you that you're going to have my covenant. I'm going to have you take a knife to yourself or a, a sharp rock to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I go, hey, I love you, Lord, but I'm out, okay? <laughs> I know you're more than enough and you're El Shaddai and all that and you're glowing. You're fire from the Lord's up, fire from the Lord's down, but I ain't taking some rock to myself. So see, God always gets us kind of out of our comfort zone. Yeah, we laugh about that, but think about Jesus walking in and going, by the way, the sign of my covenant is going to be this. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, call so-and-so. So first of all, Abraham's got a few strikes against him right here that God's going to call an old man to do something that he thinks he can't do, and he's going to have him do something as a sign of the covenant that is bizarre, and then even Abraham's wife's not on board. So notice how Abraham had to kind of pull his wife. Abraham had to kind of pull her. Hey, hey, he, he appeared to me. He, you, know, you don't see really record of God telling Sarah, oh, by the way, he told me who he is. He told me who he is. In the Hebrew, I'm the breasted one. I'm the almighty God. Come on, don't you dare put something ahead of who I am. Every day God's calling us to do some things right here for the coming of the Lord. And you have that choice to make. Am I going to look at him as the almighty God? Or am I going to look at him as just, as just some words in a book? And Abraham grabbed Sarah and said, Come on now, we're going to have a, little, we'll have a little dinner with this one that says he's the Almighty God. A couple of angels standing there. And then it went to the point that Abraham got to be God's friend to the point that God said, I'm not going to do anything in the earth unless I tell Abraham. 
See, when you start trusting Him like that, He'll start telling you what's going to come to pass before it comes to pass. And then you can start negotiating with Him. Now, this is under the old covenant. You can get to be such good friends with God that you go like, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival in Boise. Oh, come on now. You don't, you don't think that God's called me to, to, to have something just mediocre. God's called me to, to literally take over the city. Oh, I got to hold you back there. I'll come preach to you, buddy. Where are you at? Come on. Who was that? I'm with you. All right, so, so notice, God's not going to call you to get a group of people together to just have something normal. That's why people go, well, I can't believe that you go to that wild Holy Ghost church. That's exactly right. You should have a little bit of opposition. You should have a little bit of people kind of mock you. Because if they're not mocking you, you're probably not standing out enough. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. Because you know what? I guarantee your neighbors and your friends aren't going to just hook up with you and go, oh, you're in that word church where they worship and they're wild. God's going to stretch us to not be moved by any of that stuff. Come on now. You, you can start thinking how almighty He is to the point that you might be here this morning. You've committed sins. You've committed some radical things. You think God can never use me. You think of Peter. Now, this is off my subject for a minute. But you think of Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times. And the Lord turned him around and said, that's who I'm going to use to start the whole church. There you go. I've heard people say, well, you did so and so. You're disqualified. It doesn't get much worse than denying the Lord three times. He's so almighty and so powerful. Peter couldn't much more mess up than that. I don't even know him. I don't even know who he is. Three times. The Lord says, I'll take that guy and I'll start the whole church. Yeah, I was preaching in a church in a... Man, this is off my deal. Turn to Luke. Let's run with me. I was preaching in a church out in Jasper, Texas. How many of you have been to Jasper, Texas? Thank God you're not in Jasper this morning. Come on now. I know when I was there, amen, I know when I was there, the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I don't know how close he was, amen, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he, I don't want to say he was distant, but you know, Jasper, Texas is not where you want to be. I remember I was preaching there, and uh, as I got there, uh, I was preaching with another evangelist from Spring Hill, Louisiana, I'm from Louisiana, and there was another evangelist from my hometown, so it was kind of weird to be in a church with the evangelist from my hometown, because my hometown is so small. So we were trading off meetings. When I got there, I walked in, and the pastor's wife, as I came in, let's see if I can do this, as I walked in, I was tired because I'd been in a camp meeting with a couple other preachers. It was one of those Holy Ghost camp meetings. It was like 1992. We had ran, we had danced, we had shouted. I mean, I was physically exhausted when I got there. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll have the other, the other guys probably going to preach because the pastor didn't tell me because usually he'll let you know. I got there, and uh, if I can shut this door, let's see if I can do this. The pastor's wife... When I come walking in, she grabbed this door, and uh, you can't really miss this when somebody does this. I can't do it with this one because of this crazy deal right here, but she grabbed the door and just, well, that went over really good. She slammed the, she slammed the door so loud that the wall just vibrated. Wham! I thought, wow, she's irritated about something. You really can't miss that. You know what I'm saying? So I thought, well, I, I guess I won't bother the pastor's wife. I'll just, the next thing you know, the pastor goes, hey, Joe, you're preaching tonight. I said, okay, no problem. So as a traveling guy, I come in and jump around, and you know, sock puppets and everything, doo, 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 you know, trying to wake everybody up. Because I'm there to get everybody to jump in with you. So I'm preaching along, and the Lord says, adultery. He says, adultery in this church. I said, well, don't tell me that. I'm just there to bless this church. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I even in my mind thought, I know you know everything, and you're, you're awesome and all that, but I'm glad you know that, but don't tell me that. I said, I, I'm just here to bless this church. I said, I really, you know, you know what I'm saying. And he goes, you need to deal with that. I said, I am not dealing with that. I am, I'm not dealing with that. I said, I'll exalt you and all that. And you know, I'm carrying on this conversation while I'm preaching. I said, I'm not dealing with that. I'm here to bless this church. I said, I'm not dealing with adultery. Because I thought it was going to be kind of drop the hammer thing, you know what I mean? And so I'm preaching along, the Lord goes, adultery. You've know, you got to deal with that. I said, I'm not dealing with that. I said, let the pastor deal with that. I, I'm just here to bless the church. I said, I'm not dealing with that. So I'm fighting with him a little bit. He said, well, if you don't do that, you won't do the other things you're supposed to do. Whoa. Well, he's got me there. He can call me a wimp. He's not going to call me a wimp. I'm like, okay. So I thought, here we go. Because, you know, there's no really cool way to call this out because it kind of puts the brakes on. You know what I'm saying? You can't go, how many of you are in adultery? Hallelujah. No, that's not what you want to do. So I said, how many here? And I kind of coughed as I said it. How many here are in adultery like that? I said, I don't want you to raise your hand. And, man, I thought the Lord was kind of going to drop the hammer. You know, here we go. He's going to just rebuke them or whatever. I said, who, you know, who, someone's here. You're in adultery. And the Lord wants to bless you. 
I thought, bless? I thought, what in the world? I thought, the Lord wants to bless you? And I thought, you know, here I'm thinking the Lord is going to rebuke him. The Lord says, I want to bless you. And then all of a sudden I began to prophesy. I said, don't raise your hand. I began to prophesy about the Lord changing that person's life. How they'd never, ever be the same after today. How God would take them back out of that and restore their life and bless them. Well, you know, I was so shocked that the Lord didn't rebuke them. I was like, wow, what's up with this, you know? He's kind of merciful, you know? <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm thinking, wow. So then I started having words of knowledge because the Lord said if I do that, there'd be some other things I'd do. So I said, there's somebody here. you got damage in your nerves. This lady got out, come walking down, and man, the whole church, whoo, sucked the air right out of the room. You thought, I thought, what in the world? I mean, people were, oh, you know, people were just talking like this. I thought, well, I know she's not the Antichrist because the Antichrist is coming from, you know, you know, the Roman Empire, and the Antichrist is a man. So I thought, this can't be the Antichrist. But people were acting like this woman was the Antichrist. I mean, you can feel it. <laughs> people are going like this. <laughs> so she's coming down front, and people are just freaking out. I don't know who this lady is. So I said, I'm going to pray for her. I said, I command your nerves to be healed. Begin to pray for her. Begin to pray for her. From different words of knowledge, and the Lord begin to do other stuff. Because he said, if I do that first thing, there'd be some other things. Well, I finished, and I was getting a little nervous. Cause I'm thinking, man, I've called out adultery in this guy's church, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I finished this sermon, you know, finished ministering to people. The associate came up to me, and the minister that was there with me from my hometown, he goes, hey, I want to talk to you. Then the pastor comes over, hey, I want to talk to you. I thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I call out adultery in this guy's church. He goes, hey, you know that woman with the damage in her nerves you called out? That woman had committed adultery with another pastor in their town and had taken the pastor's 16-year-old son and committed fornication with him. That's why that pastor's wife slammed the door at the beginning of the meeting. She saw that woman come into their church and think, how dare you come into our camp meeting and you've been messing with my son. Now, see, that's, that's mercy right there. Because, you know, uh, my daughter's 21. You know, you go to mess with my daughter, you're going to meet my friend Smith, you're going to meet Weston, you're going to meet all my, all my buddies. Amen. <laughs> I love you. And I'll ask forgiveness. <laughs> I love you. And I'll ask forgiveness after I bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Amen. Amen. But, but, but God was trying to show that whole church you've got to forgive that lady. The secrets of her heart are made known. Now, see, if she hadn't repented, they may have had to kick her out. But the secrets of her heart are made known. She, she has a, a repentant heart. Now, why am I saying this on how almighty He is? You could be here this morning and you could think, you know, I'm not ready for what God's called me to do. Now, come on now. Don't, don't, you, don't you dare put up something from your past to say, I'm not ready for what God has for me. He's so big. He's so amazing. You could have done some of the most radical stuff in the past. And you say, well, I think I'm disqualified. Don't you dare talk about how powerful the blood is. Amen. Come on now. Come on, God, God took normal people that made mistakes and He transformed them and He used them in spite of their faults, in spite of their frailty, to where He got all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Come on now. Now that's for somebody here this morning. Don't, don't, don't be magnifying how bad you were in comparison to what God's called you to do. Could you imagine the list Abram could have made to God? Like, well, here's 788 reasons why you shouldn't use me to do this. And notice, and the Lord goes, no, no, I'm the Almighty God. I'm the Almighty God. You walk before me and be thou perfect. I can pull this off. Now let's go over here to Luke. Run with me just a little bit. Run with me to Luke. Luke chapter 1. If you got your Bibles there, run to Luke 1. Let's run, the, run here for just a minute. Luke chapter 1. Look at another example of, of uh, um, some destiny getting ready to happen. Watch what happens here in Luke 1. We won't go too long. Just hang with me a little bit. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse... We know the verse, verse 26. And it was the sixth month that angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. You know the, the story here. I hope you know the story. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> we don't, no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> wow. All right, here we go. Verse number 28. The angel came in and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. How cool is that? You're highly favored. Blessed art thou among women. It's amazing how at the very beginning of the first coming of the Lord, only a few people are in position. You have maybe Mary, Simeon. Think about just a few people. Simeon, Mary, a couple other folks that were right there in position. I'd hate to have it right here for the second coming of the Lord that I was so busy I wasn't in position. 
I wonder what God's trying to get ready to do. And so many people are caught up in their own life that there's such a heavy destiny coming for the church and, and we're too busy to even be ready for the Lord to show us something to do. Wow, that'll preach, but let's keep moving here. Verse 29, when, he, when she saw him, she was troubled, I guess, at his saying. And she cast in her mind at what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you found favor with God. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb, and you'll bring forth the Son, you'll call His name Jesus. He shall be called great, He shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of His kingdom there'll be no end. Wow. And then Mary, I like this, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Notice here, God's calling people to do things that are impossible. He told Abram, Hey, you're too old to have a kid, not a problem. I'm the Almighty God. He appears to Mary, Oh, by the way, you're going to have a son without a mate. She's like, What? Okay, here we go. The angel, Mary says to her, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Verse 35. The angel answered and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Notice the angel immediately goes back to who's, who's going to be bringing this to pass. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. She didn't say, now you're going to... The, the angel didn't go, now Mary, I'm going to work with you and you're going to get everything just right in your life. Then all of a sudden you're going to do something that's impossible. He immediately began to talk about who's going to bring this to pass. The Holy Ghost is... So watch what happens in verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You'll notice every time there's some radical destiny getting ready to happen in the earth, God starts trying to magnify that there's nothing too hard for Him. That He is the Almighty God. Come on now, over the years, we, what brought us to this, even this meeting this morning is a heritage of, uh, of the miraculous, a heritage of, of God moving on people throughout the years, even to get us to a place that we could come together on Saturday morning. Oh, come on now. It, you could call it the healing revival of the 50s, where they had so many miracles that... Uh, Raymond T. Ritchie was in, preaching in Tulsa. They had so many miracles, they had to haul away the wheelchairs and flatbed trucks. Amen. I've never been to a meeting that said, you know, uh, quick, go get the flatbed trucks because there's going to be so many miracles. We've got to get rid of all the wheelchairs. So that kind of thought pattern of God being God, God being more than enough, God being, if you could call it, extreme. We've gotten so used to kind of a commonplace God that we've really forgotten who wrote the book. Not just knowing the Word of God, but the God of the Word. You know, hang with me. I remember, uh, how many of you remember Brother Shambach? You know, Brother Shambach preached for years, still preaches a little bit. And uh, he traveled with A.A. A. Allen for years. You remember A.A. A. Allen? A.A. Allen was a healing revivalist from the 50s. And Brother Shambach was his crusade coordinator. And uh, in one of the meetings down in Birmingham, Alabama, Shambach was working for him. And there was a lady there that had a baby that was deformed. Been born in Tennessee. The baby had no arms, no legs, no eyes. Had little 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 indentations. There were no eyes, little hole, little mouth. They were feeding that baby with milk, pumping milk into that little baby to keep it alive. And the lady had been coming to Shambach because he's a crusade coordinator all week. When is Alan going to pray for my baby? Brother Shambach said, "Okay, when your card gets called out, we'll make sure she's, the baby's prayed for." They didn't know if the baby was male or female. It was an it. Wow. So deformed. All right, so the lady goes, you know what? I want Alan to pray for my baby. Shambach said, when your card's called out, and then finally after three or four days, it goes, I tell you what, if your card's not even called out by then, I'll make sure your baby's prayed for. Come time to the last end of the week, Friday night, uh, Brother Alan got up. He said, hey, we're going to take up a faith offering. He said, well, it's just an offering you can't afford. I like Brother Shambach telling the story because we don't hear this kind of stuff nowadays. People are too afraid to talk about it. Am I in the right room? Come on now. <laughs> So Brother Allen got up and said, we're going to take up a faith offering. It just says it means an offering you can't afford. That woman came down, and she put like $10 in the bucket. She only had $15. And Shambach got off the organ, walked down, and looked at the offering. And he was kind of concerned for her because she knew she needed money to go back to Tennessee. He thought, man, she's giving too much. He's thinking for her she's giving too much of her money because he watched how much money she gave. That was scriptural. Jesus saw how much money they gave. Well, he was concerned for her. All of a sudden, Alan begins to preach because he'd taken up the offering. He said, I, you know, he preached like, my God, you know, he's the same God tonight. You know, I'm trying to do it like they did. But anyway, that was my A. Allen interpretation. 
He's preaching along. Watch. Midway through his service, he goes, wait a minute, I'm not here. He said, I'm in a doctor's ward up in Tennessee. I'm in a baby's ward. There's an OBGYN section. He said, I'm seeing, I see the doctors around surrounding this baby. They said, the baby's not going to make it. He said, but the baby's alive. In fact, it's here tonight, but it's deformed. Boy, Shambach's ears perked up, said, this is this lady. He's been talking to me all week. He said, dear Jesus, we've got to get this lady down here. He said, get that lady. They bring that baby down right now. This is a baby with no arms, no legs. Don't know if it's male or female, no eyes. Brother Shambach said, I normally close my eyes when I pray. He said, but I was going to watch this miracle. He said, so they, they put, that, put that baby right in front of him. He said, it sounded like cordwood snapping. Snap, snap, snap. All of a sudden, that baby had legs grow out, arms grow out. White swirls came on that baby. Got brand new eyes right there in front of everybody. Come on now, the works of Satan stopped. Just like that, right in front of everybody. Well, he said as wild as the, the congregation went crazy because the baby uh, gets made alive and made anew right there in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. He said everybody quit watching the baby and they looked over at the side. There was a stretcher section. It said it seemed like there was an unseen hand. Everybody quit watching the baby as rejoicing as they were. They looked over at the stretcher section and there's about four or 500 people in the stretcher section. Because they believed that God was God. They'd bring them to the service. They believed that God was God. They'd bring them to the service. He said it was like an unseen hand. Every single one of the people on the stretchers instantly came up off the stretchers, got healed right there in front of everybody. All right, said all of a sudden everybody quit rejoicing over the baby, quit rejoicing over the stretcher section. There was a busload of blind people that were late, didn't get to the, the, to the tent to the middle of the deal. This is halfway through the middle of service. Every single one of the people that came out of the bus that were blind come walking into the back of that tent, said everybody turned around, and when they walked in, their eyes were made whole, and every single one of them were healed right there. And see, we, we really haven't seen him like that. But my friend, he hasn't changed. Come on. Just because I haven't seen him like that doesn't mean he hadn't done that. Come on. Come on now. How are you going to judge who wrote the book right here for the coming of the Lord? He's got things for your life. He's got things for you to do. Come on. And don't look at, can I work the Word to do this or that? You look at who's written the Word. You look at who's backing the Word. Every time God got people to do something that was incredible, He had them to get their mind off themselves and get their mind on Him. Come on now. He's called you to do some great things. He'll stretch you. He'll push you. And you start backing up and go, Hey, you're the Almighty One. I'm going to relax. You're the one that's watching over your Word to perform it. You know, that I was preaching in, in the same town, Birmingham, Alabama. Had a word of knowledge. Saw a woman fly fishing. Had a vision. Saw her catch the hook in her eye. Called it out. And she come down got her eye healed. Same church service. Saw a, a, a man get run over by a car. As I called it out, he was right there on the front. He said, that's me. He said, I got ran over by this car. A car smashed my chest. Got healed right there in front of everybody. Had another vision. I saw a woman fall down some stairs. She looked like she's doing cartwheels down the stairs. I called it out. She screamed. Said, that's me. Said, I've had damage in my neck. Said, come on down. We'll pray for you right here in the same city. Come on now. Now that was just a few years ago. He, he's the Almighty God. I'll give you one for a few months ago. I was preaching out in California. Hang with me. I'm getting to my message here. Turn, turn, to, turn back to Jeremiah. We're closing right now. Hang with me. Go back to Jeremiah real quick and we'll close. I was preaching out in actually where I moved to Temecula. I was preaching out in actually Marietta, Temecula. Since I was here, we moved from Tulsa to, to California. So I'm preaching out there last year. And uh, I heard some murmuring on Temecula. That was weird. <laughs> it's just north of San Diego. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're, from, you're, you're in Irvine for a long time. So anyway, I'm preaching there, and a man comes walking up to me sad. You can't miss it. He's sad. He comes walking up to me. He's kind of crying. He goes, "My, it's after service. He said, my wife's in an insane asylum. I said, no problem. You know, you know I, I, it's affecting him more than it's affecting me, but I'm trying to get him off of that. He said, what do I do? I said, I'll tell you what, we'll pray over your jacket. Now listen, I said, we'll pray over your jacket. You take your jacket to her and she'll come out of there. I said, the day you put this jacket on her, she'll come out of there fine. He looked at me like, what? So then I tried to tell him Brother Shambach's story where there was a, a woman that was insane and the daughter, the sister tried to take some uh, different cloths to her and they wouldn't let her take them to him. And that woman came up to Shambach. I don't know why I'm telling Shambach stories, David. Hang with me. Uh, <laughs> The woman came up to Shambach and said, you know, you're going to uh, pray over these M&M's. She said, I, he goes, I'm not praying over no candy. He said, well, they won't let me take cloths into my, my sister, so you're going to pray over this candy. Well, he put M&M's in his pockets and uh, went in and prayed for her. The woman was completely set free. 
So I'm telling that man this story. I said, if Shambach can pray over M&M's and can get this woman set free and in San Island, I can lay hands on your jacket. You can take your jacket in. And when you, you say, where are you coming from? Acts 19.11. God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul, indicating there's so many ordinary miracles. He had to differentiate between ordinary and special. He said they took handkerchiefs and aprons. The presence of God would go into that cloth. Diseases would depart. Evil spirits would go out of them. So I'm telling that man that story. I said, listen, I'll lay hands on your jacket. The day you put it on her, she'll come out of that institute. He goes, yeah, what? kind of like looked at me like, whatever. That was in Marietta last year. I came back to Marietta a few months ago to go back to find a house. I put some money down on a house and they rented it out, out from under me. So I had to fly back out to California to find another house. I flew back out to find another house. I saw the pastor and I ran into the service to go catch him because he's going to take me around and show me the city. And, and as I'm talking to him for a minute, I wasn't preaching that day. I saw that man come walking up to me and he had this big old smile on his face. I said, how's it going? He goes, I'll show you how it's going. He said, come here. He said, let me introduce you to my wife. He said, the day I took that jacket in, she was on lithium. She was on Thorazine. She was drooling the day I put the jacket on her. The doctor came in and said, I have no reason for you to be here. You're completely perfect in your right mind. He said, it's though you took a veil and took it off her head. She was perfect after that coat was put on her. Now, come on now. He's the Almighty God. I I, I can tell you miracle after miracle today. Miracle after miracle today. He has not changed. Come on now. He has not changed. Come on now. He's no different. In fact, you live under a new and better covenant to where they had to wait for God to come on them. You got Him in you. You're going to get to heaven. You go, tell me, Elijah, what was it like? And he was going to go, you tell me what was it like to have the God of the universe in you everywhere you go. Oh, hallelujah. Come on now. I'll give you one more while we go to Jeremiah. Hang with me. Closing here in just a second. Colleen and I were in Tulsa to go to Winter Bible. I miss seeing your pastor. He was there earlier in the week. I was there later in the week. And... uh, on Friday night, we had gone to Winter Bible, and my daughter's there living in Tulsa. She's 21, and I hate to be away from her. So Colleen, my wife, was with me. My daughter's with me, Lauren. We go after the meeting over to some people's house. Joe and Amy Dunnick are, are these people that work at Rama. So we're going to go over to their house to have some fellowship, food fun fellowship after the service. So all these people are in there, my brother-in-law, my sister, from they run Rama, Germany, so I'm going to get to see them and see my nephews and all that. We get to the house. Now watch. We get to the house, and there's a circular drive. And I tell Colleen and my, and my daughter, Lauren, I said, now you guys go in that door right there instead of the front door because there's cars right here. I said, so you go in over there. As I pulled in the driveway, they got out and I said, apparently they got busy looking in through the window. They saw some of my kinfolk and they said, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. And I couldn't pull forward in the circular drive because there was a car in front of me. I backed up. All of a sudden I hear my wife scream, blood curling scream. Ah! I had run over my wife. Not good. <laughs> And my wife, I've never heard my, I haven't ever heard my wife scream like this. She's ah, never heard my wife scream. Period, scream like that. She, I jumped, I pulled forward, I jumped out of the car. My wife's laying on the ground. What I had done was when I pulled this SUV, SUV, and I'd backed it out like that. The front wheel had got hurt. Watch this, got her leg and her heel caught underneath the tire, ran right over her leg like that. She's screaming. She's laying on the ground. My daughter's right there. And uh, I got out of the car, I walked over to her. I said, and I, she's not laying on the floor, I, on the ground. I said, I command you to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I said, stand up right now. She looked at me like, stand up? Are you, have you lost your mind? <laughs> you know that look. <laughs> now see, this is when you got a choice. You're going to believe who he is? I said, stand up right now. I grabbed her, picked her up like that. It's as though a 150 degree heat came down on her body just like that. Went from the top of her legs all up top of her head just like that. She goes, oh my God, that's the glory of God going all over me. My, My wife's leg and her heel were made whole right there in front of my daughter, in front of this little kid. I said, come on, let's go into the, to the house, walked into the house, had fellowship, had food. I left from there and flew to Orlando. My wife flew back to California. I said, what are you doing today, babe? She goes, I'm, I'm walking the neighborhood and I'm jogging right now. I said, how's your leg? She goes, I have no pain. Had no pain in that house after getting her leg run over and her heel caught, run up all the way up into her calf. Come on now, He's the Almighty God. Come on now. He's more than enough. Now my friend, there's a reason why you've heard the Word all these years. There's a reason why you have a choice as the men of the church to literally pull the church when God says, this is what we're going to do, you go, yeah, He's the Almighty God. He's more than enough. He, he can pull this off. 
Now, why am I preaching on this this morning? Because He's going to ask you to do some things that are going to stretch you. But watch His style. Go back to Jeremiah 32. Hang with me. Go back to Jeremiah 32 real quick and we'll close. Jeremiah 32. Hang with me. Look at Jeremiah 32. In verse 17, He said, Oh, Lord God, behold, You've made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power, and I stretch that arm, and there is nothing too hard for You. I like that. And he talks about how awesome God is. He said in the next verse, verse 18, Great and mighty God, the Lord of hosts is His name. Great in counsel, mighty in work. Thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to His ways. Look in verse 20. Which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel, among other men, you have made thee a name as in that day. And you brought forth your people Israel out of the land of Egypt. Notice this. He tells them how He brought them forth. Now watch. Out of the land of Israel with signs, wonders, with a strong hand and a stretched out arm and with great terror. He's he's magnifying how God brought them out. Notice everything about what God's called you to do. He's going to start rehearsing in you what He's brought you out of. He's going to rehearse in you how big He is. Now, Now think about this for just a minute. In the Scriptures, in the Old Covenant, He consistently had to talk about how big He is. In the New Covenant, you get to see Him that you have on the inside of you. You get to see that you're a new creature in Christ. You get to see that you're complete in Him. You're not laboring to get somewhere with God. You're complete. Right, we know that. Like In other words, God, you don't have to go through a test and trial to be ready to be used of God. I mean, we're, we're ready, right? If going through tests and trials would make us ready, we'd be glowing in the dark. Isn't that right? So we know that God's not bringing us through tests and trials. I mean, you watch Christian TV today, well, he's the potter and we're the clay. Eh, wrong covenant. You're, you're complete in him. In fact, you're the fullness of him. Because that sounds cool, and, and that's true. In the old covenant, he was the potter and we're the clay. He's molding and shaping you. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord, you're a new creature. Okay? So in the old covenant, he had to talk about who he was. I'm the Almighty God. In the new covenant, all he says is, is I'm Almighty. He says, I've made you this way. In fact, in the Old Covenant, it talked about him being more than enough. The thing that he said man would say he couldn't pull off, guess when he pulled it off in your lifetime? He said man will say I can't bring them back as far as Israel being made a nation. He's already done it. The one thing God said was hard in the Scriptures, he's already done. The one thing God said was hard that man would say is hard, he's already pulled it off. You get to the epistles and where he talks about being the Almighty God, he said I'll be an Almighty Father to your sons and your daughters. Now listen, when he says, I'm going to be almighty to you, he talks about being an almighty dad. It's pretty amazing. So in the old covenant, he talked about being almighty to get his will wrought. In the new covenant, he says, I'm going to be dad to you. Some of you may have lost your fathers. Some of you may have all your kids. Some of you may not have been a good father. It don't matter. You can fix that right now. In the way that God wants his thought pattern and His ways exemplified in the earth. He said, I'll be an almighty God, an almighty Father to your sons and your daughters. Boy, it gets quiet and you start preaching about that. Come on now. <laughs> Woo, come on now. And it's something you can lean on Him as Dad. Yes. Oh, come on now. You can lean on Him as Dad. Yes. I lost my dad when I was 16. He went home to be with the Lord. And uh, man, I think about it every year. I'm 46 now. That's 30 years that every year I go, boy, I wish I could talk to Dad. <laughs> what, what in the world would I do in this situation? Am I in the right room? Come on now. Yeah. But you know what? Your earthly dad might give you some wisdom, but my friend, you have a heavenly father. Oh, come on. Yes. Come on. Yes. He's got more wisdom than you can even ask for. Yes. In fact, he's even made unto you wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. But the reason why I'm preaching on this, when you, when you think about that thought pattern of him being almighty, where he wants to get that into men, 18 times in the book of Revelations, he calls himself the Almighty God. So notice at the very end, he'll be known this way. All throughout history, when there's great change in the earth, he tries to get that across to men that are going to do something for him. I'm the Almighty God. You can, you can walk with me. You can be upright. You can be sincere. Now, we've heard message after message after message. All of us in here. We've heard the word, heard the word, heard the word, heard the word. You could probably all teach a new members class tomorrow. And that's good. In fact, how many of you could teach a new members class if you had 5,000 people added next week? Raise your hand if you could teach a new members class. One, two, three, four, five, six. You know what I'm saying? If you could, I mean, that's, what, that's what God's looking for. What if all of a sudden 15,000 people are added next week? Could Pastor Mark go, okay, you take 500, you take five. 
I'm serious. You take 500. Now, I believe right before the coming of the Lord. I'm stopping right now. It's 10. Man, it's late. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Right before the coming of the Lord, we will be the safe house. People will be swept into the kingdom of God. I believe you will have in church 24 hours a day. Pastor Mark, go, you take the service from 7 to 9. You take it 9 to 11. You take it 11 to 1. You take it 1 to 3. You take it 3 to 5. You take it 5 to 7. And you're talking about 24-hour church where you got people filing through here in the Word. you got people laying hands on people. you got people going to new members class. And all of us are functioning in a capacity that we should be, and that's why we're here on Saturday morning. So there's a lot of things in store right for the coming of the Lord. I mean, well, we've had some great food this morning. But God wants to get us as the men of the church to get ready for change. Get ready to stretch. When God tells us we're going to do some things, go, man, He's the Almighty God. He's going to pull that off. Amen. I wouldn't be surprised at your whatever your next building is. It could be so extreme. You know, just 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 take the lid off on how extreme it could be. Amen. I can imagine what Joel Osteen, I mean, John Osteen, I went to John Osteen's church when he had 50 people there. Listen very carefully. 1970, I went to John Osteen's church. There were more people in this room this morning than were in that church. I was eight years old, and I saw him preach. He's this little short guy, and I thought I'd heard him preach on tape, and I thought, that's John Osteen? Hello. <laughs> just wasn't cool to me. You know what I mean? And he, in, in that church now, I wonder what, what, what some guys thought when John Osteen probably said, you know, one day we'll be meeting in a stadium. I wonder what the guys around him probably said, are you crazy? What do you mean? I, I could just hear him you know, get a glimpse of what was to come. There'll be a day where we're having meetings so big that, that we'll have more ushers than we have people in here. Come on. And you look at look at Joel and look at when they went in there and said, hey, we're going to buy this basketball stadium. Hello. I would have liked to have seen what the men around Joel Osteen said when he goes, oh, by the way, we're not just going to build another building. We're going to buy the so-and-so center. I would hope that the guys around him went like this. Yeah, he's the almighty God. We can buy whatever we need to buy. Let's buy two of them. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let's bow our heads before we go. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for what is to come. We anticipate what is to come. Father, we're so grateful to be a part of this radical vision to get souls saved before Jesus comes. We thank You for every, every facet of this church, every different group, the children, the youth, the ushers, the leaders, every different facet, Lord. We thank You for the mentality for increase in this day, the mentality to stretch, the mentality to go forward. And Father, as the men of the church, we'll, we'll not draw back But with boldness, Lord, we'll go forward and do exactly what You've called us to do. We reverence You this morning, Jesus. We say, You are the Almighty God. Nothing is too hard for You. We bless and magnify You and glorify You. We we thank You for showing your, Your hand in this hour strong. I ask You to bless every man that came this morning. Bless their households. Bless their wives. Bless their children. I thank You, Father, that they'll be the, the head of their household. With strong leadership, they'll, they'll have their household hunger for Jesus. May Jesus be the first and foremost in all of our lives. We thank You for it. We give You glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. amen.